Welcome to Everyday People Podcast with me, Nyung Vo. I'm your everyday person whose mission is to give everyday people a platform to share their incredible story, learnings and life tools to inspire you to dream and live your best life. I believe that you don't have to be famous, turn over a million plus a year, have lots of degrees or be in a high position to have something powerful to share and leave a positive impact in your community. I believe the only prerequisite is that you are being you and you are living the amazing life that is meant to be for you. That is enough to inspire me to go live my best life. Will you join me on this journey of sharing, learning and living alongside everyday people? Guys, I am so excited to have my first interstate guest who flew in to be here today. His name is Todd Lane. He works in construction management up in Brisbane. He's the chair of the Young Builders Alliance in Queensland for the Australian Institute of Building. He's also a researcher in the field of mental health in construction. I actually bumped into Todd a few months ago in the Australian Institute of Building magazine that was sitting on the lunch table at work. I read his research paper and I felt so proud and comforted to know people in construction like Todd were putting themselves out there to shine a light on a subject that was taboo and difficult to talk about in this industry or in any industry really. So I reached out to Todd on LinkedIn to let him know that what he was doing was a wonderful thing and here we are. So thank you so much Todd for seeing enough value in my platform to fly here to share your story. So first of all, we want to know more about who you are. How would your friends and family describe you? And what experiences from your younger self made you who you are now? If I was to explain what my friends would think of me, I would put larrikin. I'm always joking. I'm always laughing. I just like making people laugh and having a good time. So I think that really resonates throughout my workplace and with my personal friends as well. I think experiences from my younger self to make me who I am. I was in school didn't really like know what I wanted to do. They had a like what they call a woodworking class. It was a certificate one, just being super basic for construction. I was running late to the assignment and I didn't do it. And I was like, oh man, I'm in so much trouble. So in five minutes, I put together a presentation about project management and construction. I was like, huh, this is actually pretty cool. Like I really liked carpentry. I liked plumbing. I liked all the different trades. And I thought, well, if I was a carpenter, as soon as the roof goes on, I'd probably have to leave. I wouldn't get to see the whole project finish. And that's mm. when it sort of sparked my mind. Oh, well, if I was a project manager, mm. I could see the whole process. Yes. From there, I went to TAFE because I didn't do very well at school, which then got me into university. Five years later, here I am. I had done my Bachelor of Construction Management, did my honours thesis. That honours thesis led to a publication. That's what you read and that's how you got in contact with me. And now here I am doing a podcast, a topic of mental health, which I'm so passionate about. Yeah, so tell me about your own mental health journey and how it made you so passionate about talking about it and wanting to raise awareness and help others in construction. There was a time probably back in 2016, I got diagnosed with a, a medical condition which essentially gave me poor mental well-being. At the time, I didn't really know what to do and I felt really vulnerable. I'm a lot more open about talking about it, but obviously it's not something I mentioned in the podcast. And before that, I never believed in poor mental health. My brother used to go through a bit of um, anxiety and depression at times and I used to just tell him to get over it and not realising that there was a greater impact in the words that I was saying. Then when I started going through it, I realised how important it is to have positive mental well-being. I had suicidal ideations for a period of time, had really bad negative self-talk and it was at a point where not that I'd ever end my life, I think there's too much to live for, 
but that was pretty confronting to think, wow, I'm actually thinking about this. So I saw professional help and it sort of got me back on the men's to realising that this is a greater issue and we don't talk about it enough. And especially in the construction industry where we're 239% more likely to self-harm due to the work environment that we're in. Did you say 239%? 239%. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah, it's massive. It's really bad. One in 20 construction workers will think about suicide the next 12 months. 190 construction workers this year will end their life, which means we know 174 construction workers have ended their life prematurely. The statistics is in Australia? Correct. Yeah, I do want to talk about your article. Tell us your findings. Okay, so the title was The Impact of Academic Performance Requirements of Undergraduate Building Cadet Programs on Mental Wellbeing. Essentially, what I wanted to look at was since a building cadet, so that's someone who works at a construction firm, a bit like an apprentice, but they still go to university as well whilst completing their studies. So I wanted to see whilst they're studying full-time, working full-time and trying to maintain some form of full-time social life, what impact did the university have on their mental well-being and vice versa? How did that affect their performance outcomes at work? Essentially, full-time work-life study balance can be managed in two ways. You need to manage your self-care. So self-care being the amount of sleep that we give ourselves and the amount of leisure time that we actively partake in, managed by your time management as well. So where you prioritise. I found through interviews I had with two higher education uh, industry psychologists, they said that you're better off reducing your study load. The university will have a set of requirements where they'll say, right, this is when you come to university, this is when you study, this is your exam. They won't deviate time. Your workplace will always try to work in with you, but it can be hard with some construction management firms that aren't willing to change time parameters to help you out at university. Mm. And that's hard. So for students who really want to do well, they've got a set amount of time they have to at university. They've got full-time work. So if you're in the construction industry, I highly doubt you're doing less or at 38 hours per week. There's mm. a good chance you're doing 50 to 60 hours per week. Then we know that to maintain the average base grade at university, you should be studying around two and a half hours a day. That includes your lecture time. That includes any interpersonal study you do at home. That's really hard to do when you still have friends and family you need to go see. You have the gym you go to in the afternoon. You might have a partner to go see. You still might have to cook your dinner, go grocery shopping. That's a lot of commitment to keep up with. And the first thing that students do is they start to sacrifice sleep time and leisure time. Mm. So there's something called anhedonia. And anhedonia is when you start sacrificing leisure time in order to permit with work. And the problem is what anhedonia causes is a general dissatisfaction and lack of pleasure from usual activities. So the student will keep sacrificing what they enjoy. So it could be going to the gym. And by the time they come back to it, they associate the burden of having to study with gym. So what does that tell you? That means that essentially there is no enjoyment in what they found enjoyable. And then the things they don't find enjoyable add up. So you've got twice as much negativity going in. I don't know if I've experienced that before. It's different for different people. Mm. That's the thing about this research. Yeah, your research is on university students who study full-time, but I think it could also be sort of equivalent to people who are full-time parents. Life outside of work as well. Grocery shopping and getting your week ready, all your home stuff and home chores. There's a lot of stuff to do outside of work for life and life admin. 
but I'm just trying to make it more relatable to your other situations. Yeah, so it's all about self-care. Yeah. That's really the crux. Like It's time management and self-care. If we take away the study aspect and now we're just looking at work-life, if I said that same scenario and you were sacrificing for too long of a period, you would develop burnout eventually. Um, my housemate mentioned to me a while ago that there was a TED Talk that she listened to and this woman who's really successful, she got asked to do the TED Talk and she said, I can't do it at this time because this is my family time. She doesn't sacrifice that because she knows that that's part of her routine that keeps her sane or keeps her doing what she does. And that's really inspiring and it reminds me that, yeah, the self-care stuff that keeps you like going you can't sacrifice it no matter what it's for. You have to also remember that there is a benefit in short-term sacrifice for sleep and leisure. It sounds quite negative at the time, but let's say, for instance, I usually go boxing three times a week, but I knew that I had this podcast and I also had my speech, so I did yesterday, which we can discuss later on. And I was like, wow, I've got so much content to get ready in such a short period of time. So I wasn't going to boxing for a month. I told my coach, hey, look, I'll be back in a month. Month can be a long time, but I knew how to sort of prioritise my time. Mm. So it's okay, but it performed quite well yesterday and here I am now, so it's mm. pretty cool. But it is negative if you kept going with that yeah. for too long. So how about mental health in the workplace now for you, now that you're working in the industry or were you working in the industry when you wrote that article? I was working in the industry at one point. For the first six months of me writing it, I was working for a construction company it was advertised as a cadet contracts administrator and I actually came in as a cadet estimator. Estimating isn't exactly where I want to be. I think it's a necessary skill and I think it's great to learn, but in terms of a career I want to head down, it's not for me. So when I coupled that with living on the Gold Coast, working in Brisbane, having university in Brisbane, all these commitments sort of piled up. I had a very toxic work environment. I had sleep deprivation, poor self-care, terrible time management. And then whilst I was writing the paper, I was also finding out about the effects of full-time work-life study stress. I actually, I lost my job due to an inability to perform. Mm. And at the time, I blamed myself so much. But then when I got deeper into the research, I sort of used myself as a case study. And I realized that maybe it's just poor job design. I'm not made to do that job. And that's totally okay. But it was very interesting to be studying full-time work-life study stress and then essentially hit the pinnacle of losing a job, which for most would be pretty frightening, which it was for me. I was in tears, but I didn't even like the job. It was a good eye-opener moving forward. Even that presentation that you did yesterday, because you presented that presentation on mental health to your company that will be focused on your audience who are like site managers, contract administrators, project managers. What were the topics that you just discussed there that you want to share with us yeah, today? Yeah, so I started off with an icebreaker and I think it's super important when you're speaking to make the audience feel included in your presentation. Typically 10, 20 years ago, a presentation was always about you being the wisest of them all, which I'm not. I'm just a guy who has information and the more I learn about others, the more I learn. So I asked them, what does poor mental well-being look like to you? Got them to close their eyes and to really think about it. What does it look like? What does it feel like? When you open your eyes, tell me an answer and why you chose it. I had three people hop up, which is great. And the whole point of the exercise was for them to show each other in the office there's three people who have experienced poor mental well-being and they all work with you. It's to show that no one's immune from having poor mental well-being but you can overcome it. It's quite a happy workplace down there. Another point of it was 
now that they could speak about the signs and symptoms and an idea of it within themselves, I said, what does it look like if you actually went on site? Because we're builders, we're busy people. We've got crazy deadlines. You've got so much going on on site. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. So the last thing you're thinking about is what depression or anxiety looks like. Mm. But the truth is, at first glance, you won't know what it looks like. So I showed them a picture of Robin Williams smiling. That's pretty powerful. He was a very funny man. He was known for being quite happy. He was a comedian. But he passed away from suicide. It's a very raw message. I had a lot of people crying after it, coming up and sharing some of the stories they had experienced with. Were they men that were crying? A site mm. manager. So someone that's seen the industry but being one of the old boys, quite a tough man, comes from that alpha period of construction. But here he is in front of me, putting it all on the line, didn't have to tell me. He was being very raw with me. You said you're going to do this around Australia. Imagine all the people that you're going to touch and, like, get people to open up and get people to acknowledge how they feel. Yeah, like, that's the first step. You have to acknowledge it. Then you can do something about it. It's a bit like you said. It's, at the moment, talking about suicide is taboo. It's something that we don't talk about, but we really do need to. It's Mm. a massive issue in construction. Mm. And it's great that we have organisations and charities like Mates in Construction you have Incolink, Safe Talk, all these initiatives that look at intervention and prevention in the construction industry. Though I'm not affiliated to any of those charities, I just consider myself on the same level as them. We have the same mission, the same goal. We're trying to spread awareness. We're trying to help people. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to be an organisation. You can just be an individual who cares to create impact. So you also did bring in a book to share with us. What's it called and what do you want to share? The book is called Awaken the Giant Within. Take immediate control of your mental, emotional, physical and financial destiny. One of the directors at my company in Queensland, he gave this book to me, which was pretty touching to know that someone that high up in my organisation really cares about my journey. And the one thing I wanted to share from it was how we control our pain and our pleasure and how we associate that across short-term and long-term journeys. So there's one passage that I'd like to read. I conceive that pleasures are to be avoided if greater pains be the consequence, and pains to be coveted that will terminate in greater pleasures. We'll take the classic example. It's New Year's Eve. Next year, I'm going to lose 10 kilos. I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit. I'm going to stop eating all that junk food. I'm going to exercise three times a week and really look after my body. Two weeks later, they stop. Why? Because the pain is too great and the pleasure they receive from food is immediate. Mm. But if that same individual said on New Year's Eve the same thing and actually committed for a full year, the pain would actually be the immediate pleasure they got from the food being fattening and the long-term journey of exercise, diet, being more confident and saying, do you know what? I'm sexy and believing it, <laughs> that would be the greatest pleasure of them all. Same people, two different outcomes, pain, yeah. pain and pleasure. It's also like how my life coach explained to me, you have two choices. This is the life you're living now and you can choose that life or you can write down this is the life that I want and choose that. You have two options like every day. This is the person I am and this is the person I want to be. So today what are you going to do? Are you going to continue being who you are, continuing the bad habits or are you going to do what you need to do to be the person that you want to be because it's your choice and it's up to you every day. 100%. And every day that you don't make the decision to move forward with your life is every day that you're going to maintain the life that you don't want to be in. For me, I'm pretty open about this and I have been open about it. 
I work as a junior contracts administrator and I love my job. I, I love the company I work for, but I know long-term safety is where I want to go. And to get there, I need to do additional study. So heck, I'll go do it. I need to stay maintained in my mental health talks, which I'm passionate about anyway, so that's just the bonus. Mm. But I'll go do it. And like my dad says, if you knock on enough doors, eventually one will open. Oh, my God, I love that. And it's all about perseverance because at the end of the day, if you believe in yourself, anything is achievable. So true. I think that's like one of the number one thing that you need in life is to believe in yourself. You can't rely on anyone else to believe in you. You just have to back yourself. If you don't, no one else will. Yeah. So can we go to the quick five questions? Of course. My first question. So I read a book recently and she talks about how she had a vow when she was younger. And to this day, you know, she remembers that vow. It was from a book called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And her vow that she made when she was really young was, I'm going to write and I'm going to write forever, like for the rest of my life. And she continues to do that. So is there a vow that you made when you were younger that still sticks now? I wouldn't say when I was like necessarily younger, but I have this saying that I produced when I was at university. So let's put this one back maybe three years. And I realised at universities, nothing happens unless you rattle the cage. So I said to myself that, I'll keep rattling the cage until someone hears me about my journey. And my journey was always going to be mental health awareness. When it came to anything I did at university, I made sure I rattled the cage of every lecture as much as I hated it until someone opened a door and said, hey, I'll give you a chance. We'll do this thesis together. So the guy that I chose to do my thesis with is Dr. Vaughan Coffey. At the time, he was not available to undertake the dissertation process with me. And I kept harping on. I said, look at this paper I wrote. Look at the potential <laughs> of where this can go. We should do this together. Because he produced a book on organisational culture. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counsellor. I just wrote a whole paper on how we work as individuals. And Vaughan gave me that chance. And that's because I rattled the cage. It's obviously not overstepping your line, mm-hmm. but it's understanding when to push. And if you keep pushing things will happen. But yeah, when I read this book, I want to share my vow that I made when I was a lot younger. You know, reading it reminded me that when I was in year 11, 12, needing to pick the subjects to get into university, I promised myself that I'll get a good job, make good money so that I will never, ever need to rely on a male. (laughs) (laughs) Name someone in construction that you admire and tell me a bit about them. This person's my mentor in the construction industry. His name is Bob McCulloch. He's a work health safety manager at Multiplex and he inspires me to focus on people. Bob is all about helping others. So when I was at university, I helped co-chair a group called QUT Construction because the university wasn't providing any on-site tours of construction sites with our curriculum. We thought, hey, let's go do it ourselves. So we contacted all the big builders and said, hey, can we have 30 students come on here you can show off all your awesome sites and you get a bit of exposure. And he said, yeah, Toddy, why not? And his famous saying is, let's rock and roll. So every time the student's on, he's like, you ready to rock and roll, Toddy? Let's do this. <laughs> and I really admire him because he's all about teaching the younger generation because he knows one day when he goes to leave the construction industry, the people he taught will take over and maintain that sort of high standard that Bob has always put into his work. I think it's really important that the people who really invested in themselves in the industry and have a lot of knowledge to share that because they're going to leave or they're going to be gone and they haven't continued that through someone else. I'm also sure that 
they get something in return from sharing. I really want to encourage people to do it more because me, for one, would like to learn more as well from other people. <laughs> My next question, what is your favourite thing to do in Brisbane on a day off? Truth be told, on my day off, I don't stay in Brisbane. If it's a weekend, I think literally this year, in the time I've lived in Brisbane, because I'm originally from the Gold Coast, I've spent collectively a month worth of weekends in Brisbane. I always travel down to the Gold Coast, so I'll have to change the question slightly, <laughs> sorry. Mm. I go snorkelling and freediving a lot. Every weekend, I'm down at the Tweed River. Like last weekend, we went for a bit of a dive I was snorkeling with a turtle, like this massive sea turtle, and just sort of cruising through the waves, and there he is, just minding his own business. <laughs> and there's this massive wobbegong shark, like four metres down. It was just so cool. So in my time off, I like to be around nature and anything to do with the water or the rainforest. Sounds amazing. We did have a pinky promise. We did. We made a pinky promise. <laughs> so Todd's going to take surfing lessons and I'm going to take swimming lessons because I still don't know how to swim yet and I would love to be able to go swimming with the turtles. What is one thing people need to know? The one message that I spread yesterday in my presentation, if you're not doing okay, that is fine. But if you're not doing okay and doing nothing about it, that is not okay. I think... If there's a problem and you're stuck in your head and you're feeling trapped like many of us do time to time, it's so important that you speak up because at the end of the day, you're not a burden, you're not alone, people care about you, but if you don't speak up and they're not aware of the signs and symptoms, they won't be able to help you. It's just taking that step to say, put your hand up, I'm not okay, I need some guidance. And do you know what? There's so many resources out there. If you guys out there, you don't have a family member you can go to, you don't think you have enough friends, call Lifeline, go see a doctor, go see someone, a medical professional, they're there to help and they're pointing in the right direction. Yeah, it's really, really nice to remind people to do something about it. Last question, what's a new healthy habit that you are trying to pick up? Speak it aloud so we can make you accountable. <laughs> <laughs> I have a mirror in my room. And I read from a guy online who's based in Melbourne, Dylan. He runs a motivational speaking podcast himself and a new website called Welcome to Hell. He wrote some of his goals on the mirror and that keeps him accountable because the only person who's going to keep you accountable is yourself. So if you look in the mirror and you see yourself and your goals, you know that you're the only person that can achieve them. So mm. lately I've been pretty slack with boxing. So I said on my mirror, boxing three times a week is going to be my new habit. I need to make it happen because I know psychologically the benefits of exercising are so great. You've just listened to the Everyday People podcast with Nyung Bo. If you would like immediate support for your mental health, please call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue support on 1300 224636. You can find out more about Todd on LinkedIn and Instagram at toddymate feel free to reach out. Todd is here to help. Listen to more episodes of the Everyday People podcast with inspiring everyday people on iTunes or Spotify.